Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Mitchell Wolf. Mitchell, my God, you haven't been here in so long. How have you been? That didn't sound very sincere. Let me try that again. Mitchell, oh my God, you haven't been here for so long. I've missed you, buddy. How? I, I, I'm sorry. I... I try, I try. No, really. Well, you don't have I've to missed add you. fake things. You just need to. No, I've missed you. But for whatever reason, I'm coming across like a dick. So I just wanted to say, all right, how you been? Weird. Okay, you know what? I'll volunteer it. I'll just say it. Weird energy to start, but I like it. I've been all right. <laughs> uh, I I was thinking about this recently, Heil. That um. I, I first joined the DK Vine community in the yeah. spring of 2015. Uh, I went to E3 and met you and Chad that summer uh, oh. wh- wh- while we were regaled with a Smash 4 character announcement uh, at that E3. Which one was E3. that? Which one was uh, that? Ryu and Roy. Oh, yeah, that's right. For the DLC, yeah. And... Actually, also, the fact that Lucas came out that day, although we knew Lucas was coming, we just didn't know when, and then it was that day at E3. Mm. Um, and we went to lunch, and I couldn't order a margarita because I was 20, and oh I'm my almost, God. I'm not almost 30, but I'm seeing 30 come up pretty close. Uh, so... It's been some time. It's been some time that we've sort of been talking about Smash, even off the podcast, off the conversation. Um, it, it's been going on. That's what I've been thinking about recently. Well, there's a reason I wanted to get you on this episode. And I know you're you're a busy fella. You're out there in the world <laughs> making your way. <laughs> and, and so I, I always feel bad asking you to be on it because you've got your own enterprises. You've got your own podcast. You want to plug that real quick? Oh, What's sure. Your podca- uh, What's your you podcast like these the- days? It, well, if you like the sound of my voice or any of the things I say, which is unlikely but we'll pretend it's happening you can uh follow my podcast telling the tale on any podcatcher that displays podcasts probably any podcast uh, catcher that you're listening to this podcast on telling the tale is a podcast where a friend of the conversation dustin jackson and i are going through every telltale games game there are 140 of them and we're gonna make our way through uh we just now finished or if if, it's not actually true but later today for me and (laughs) already for the listener we will have just finished the uh sam and max series of telltale video games and Mm. uh so it's an ex- I guess you could say I'm having an exciting time, Heil. I guess you could say. <laughs> well, that's obviously outside of my, uh, I was going to say wheelhouse of knowledge, but I don't know what a wheelhouse is, if I'm honest with you, Mitchell. Yeah, I've that's never a little, known. what a wheelhouse is, is a little bit outside my wheelhouse. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm glad 
there are people out there who do know so they can do the podcast, i.e. you and Dustin. So it makes, makes me happy. No, because look, the, the conversation itself is a very esoteric topic outside of the diehards or the, the diseased like me. So, you know, it, it's for me, I'm like, I don't know anything about Telltale Games, but it makes me sleep better at night knowing somebody does and somebody's got it covered. So check that out if you like any of that stuff I just said. Thank the you, wheelhouse part. Uh, <laughs> uh, As we've been going through it, uh, Dustin and I have noticed a lot of comparisons between Telltale Games and Rare. Um, mm-hmm. Just as, as they've gone. Telltale Games... Really, only existed for 14 years before they went completely out of business in 2018, and were uh, sort of brand revitalized by different people. And uh, just, it, it's not exactly one for one, but there's a lot of like they have sort of um, a turning point where their company turned around and did something else. Uh, they have people who are really attached to the old stuff, people who are really attached to the new stuff, and there's different. Uh, vibes different yeah attitudes so i guess that's a whole other conversation but just to sort of a little bit segue back into rare hey rare's a thing you can talk about it is and i was just thinking you know i I did that crash bandicoot episode with jeff uh, Mm -hmm. several months back i don't know anything about crash bandicoot really but it was an interesting topic and so maybe someday we should combine forces your podcast and my podcast and we could do this comparison between rare and telltale and i think that would be fun someday maybe not not tomorrow but definitely on the horizon uh yeah no you though mitchell aside from all of your own endeavors i associate you so much uh, beyond you know being a friend i associate you (laughs) so much with super smash brothers because okay like you said like we first met uh, when Super Smash Brothers 4 and the the DLC of it was still very much in full swing and I was just done. I I I wasn't done with it, but I was I didn't enjoy that iteration. We've been through this. We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely definitely wasn't looking forward to Smash for the Nintendo Switch. And we did an episode back in Early season six of the conversation, it was called Oh Smash Brother, uh, because that was when they announced it wasn't even Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. We didn't know the name yet, but they had that first trailer for Super Smash Brothers for the Switch with the, the Splatoon inkling and the big fiery ball. And that was where like our little journey for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate began. And then, you know, I, I was a complete cynic about it. I was burned out. I didn't want anything to do with it. Leave me alone, I said. And <laughs> we actually, the two of us, we went to E3 together that year. Um, we, 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 were the, we were the team on the floor for E3 2018. And, of course, Nintendo's E3 presence that year was pretty much exclusively Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. At least their Direct yeah. was. And... It is amazing to me. I don't think I've ever had such a quick turnaround as far as having zero interest to almost detesting a game for existing and then being won over by it. 
And that E3 was it. I, I know a lot of people who, who may not know or have followed this podcast or DK Vine might think it was K. Rule getting a smash that did it for me, that, that converted me. But no, I, I was won over at that E3 before I even had an inkling, right? Ooh, right? Cause, cause okay. the, 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 okay. the character now I, know I what just kind said. Of podcast this is going to be. <laughs> no, but before I even had an inkling that any, rare Donkey Kong universe character was going to be in this added to this beyond, you know, Donkey and Diddy and arguably, you know, the Star Fox cast. I enjoyed it. And I thought, well, this really rectifies a lot of the problems I had with the game. And, you know, of course that we're, we're going to go through the whole, like, I, I think path through pre-release and then the DLC. We're going to be, we, Talking about all this, this is more of a loose, free-flowing conversation. It's not a complete history, but you're here because you started this journey with me, and now we've just seen the final DLC Fighter Pass character get announced and added to the game, and it's Sora from off of Kingdom Hearts. And and so the, the book is kind of closed on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Now, it's never really closed because we're still going to be playing it, we're still going to be talking about it, enjoying it, but... I find it remarkable, personally remarkable, that there was this game where I was dreading it. I was dreading the very concept of it, almost like a kid would dread going back to school in August. Yeah, yeah. like late, late August starts creeping up on you and you're like, oh, I don't want to go. Or how, you know, you, you might dread election time because you don't want to deal with the, the, the drama and, and the fear and the, the, ex- existential dread but uh that that was me in smash 5 super smash brothers ultimate and now it's in my top 10 games of all time i wouldn't have guessed that i wouldn't have guessed that and you were the optimistic one of the two of us you were you were here on this podcast kind of talking it up and i have admitted several times when I'm wrong, and I'm not afraid to admit I was wrong about this. You were right about everything, Mitchell. Well, that's true, always. But also <laughs> in this specific case, um, yeah, it was it was hard for me. The, the Smash 4 period was, was difficult for me a little bit because I... I felt I felt a little bit like I was being gaslit by the community. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like people were being like, "Man, Smash sucks." I hope the the characters just. I, I hope we get to the end of the character like before Bayonetta came out, mm-hmm. to the end of the characters fast, so we don't have to keep talking about it. And I felt like I was taking the crazy pills that exist in every Will Ferrell movie, where he talks about crazy pills, because I love it (laughs) like i love it so much uh i i uh, totally agree that smash 4 was a misfire in a lot of ways in a lot of directions uh not the least of which because the content was seemingly lacking in both versions of smash 4 because there was two versions of smash 4 uh, that it had to be spread between the the 3ds and the wii u versions um but also the the character selection seemed um, a little more out of touch than usual. Um, the vibe of it seemed a little less special than Melee and Brawl, which kind of had to happen because Melee and Brawl were these monolith, monolithic sort of huge 
tentpole games for the series. Um, but still, it's Smash. And Smash is a game that... Uh, I, I think we've talked about this before, but like if Smash didn't have any Nintendo characters in it, and it was just original characters, or maybe it was like a fighting game for just one franchise in Smash... I would still think it's one of the best games of all time. Specifically, Melee is one of the best games of all time. And what Ultimate yes. does to the, the series. Um, I, I, I don't know in terms of mechanics if it's quite hit Melee levels. I think that actually will need to be uh, determined over a long period of time. Where people get to do more and more tournaments with it and see how it goes. But... For the most part, I, I've always felt very strongly that Smash is this beautiful mechanical game. And then the characters in it are like all your favorite characters from anything. And then everyone plays it so you know it's not going to ever completely die down. And then like all these other things about Smash. So I could never really get behind the pessimism on Smash I can get behind pessimism on a lot of different stuff, but Smash felt weird to me. It, it, it just it felt like a strange time. And I think it always depends, too, on where you are in your life when a certain game hits and how you'll receive it, how, you're per- how you'll perceive it. So I, I could definitely see a, a 19, 20-year-old Mitchell Wolf really liking Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo 3DS and Wii U. And meanwhile, a m- much older Heil Russell does not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I think what Ultimate did was Ultimate really, in my mind, immediately shored up so much in the way of, are, are you afraid that a favorite character you have is going to get cut from this iteration of Smash? Don't worry, they're all here. Like, mm-hmm. like that, that was the first hurdle cleared, right? When, when they announced that, I was like, all right. Well, no matter what happens now, I think I'm on board with this because every character from the past is in there. And and also Sakurai really tempered expectations from the start where he said that there weren't going to be that many new characters. And so in my mind, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to let go. I'm going to let go of the drama. I think it's a better trade-off having everyone back in this than going through the the wars, the franchise wars, the wars between fandoms of which character gets in this game. It's not fun. It's demoralizing. And yeah, you can rise above it. You can detach yourself from it. But it's hard. It, it is hard to do. And that takes time and maturity and perspective. And I was still finding my way towards that back then so you know i i think i i just viewed it all as as i'm going to take the victories with this where i can and try to enjoy the experience and then we played it on the show floor and for whatever reason it immediately clicked with me in a way that the wii u game and the 3ds game never quite did and i'm more of a brawl apologist than most i i like a lot of brawlologist i like a lot of what brawl did i see the missteps it made for sure but i i think brawl brawl is really i mean it was born out of melee's ungodly success but brawl is really where our current smash culture 
began the the whole cycle of smash the pre-release yeah which characters are going to get in uh because that that didn't exist with melee and so like brawl i i i have fondness for even if that's sort of where a lot of my problems with four we'll just call it four i'll just call it four you can call it whatever you want but the the fourth iteration a lot of the problems in Brawl began, or a lot of the problems there began in Brawl. But really, like you said, the biggest problem with 4 was that it was potentially a good game that was cut in two. And then you kind of had two middling Smash Brothers, which are still better than most games. You know, a, a, a somewhat flawed Smash Brothers is still better than most fighting games on the market. But it it just wasn't what... I, I think I wanted and it definitely wasn't what our fandom wanted. <laughs> so no, I, I think that that's true for it. It feels like in like a unique thought for our fandom, but it's not like that. I think everyone kind of feels that way about smash Four, at least a little bit. Um, yeah. Like from a competitive stance, it was made to seem like, Hey, we're listening to the, the, the com- uh, competitive community this time. We're going to have tournaments like leading up to the announcement. We're going to be talking to people like Hungrybox and Mewtwo King and marketing the game through tournament players. And then the game came out and it was very clear like, oh, that was a decision they made, but it was a decision they made really late into development. So they never actually changed the game that way. And then just the characters themselves... I think that there's a lot of good characters. I think that Mega Man, like starting out with Mega Man is such a slam dunk and Pac-Man has done really well. And there's a lot of, I don't need to list every character that's good (laughs) in the game. Yeah. (laughs) Little Mac is fun. Uh, But a lot of the other ones feel like they're already kind of checked out. Like, oh, well, you know, we got all the big ones. We don't need to stress about every single one. And then they got the smash ballot results and realized, oh, we really didn't get all the big ones. There's a, <laughs> there's a few more of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it just, it, it seemed, it, it seems like the only smash game that is unfocused. And I, I feel like it's a smash game that didn't please anybody. Like, like, cause we talk a lot about the hardcore smash tourney crowd that, that, sort of sect of Smash fandom. But I think, because I'm part of this, what doesn't get talked about enough are the, I don't want to say casual Smash fans, but the Smash fans who are in it because it's just a really fun game to play, but we don't care about tournaments or any competitive aspect. Mm-hmm. We're in it to soak in the the fan service, the, the, the crunchy gameplay for sure, but the just the general ambiance of smash melee was such a treat melee was such a revelation because it's a game i could just boot up by myself and play it completely alone and have the best time and sink hours and hours into it getting trophies learning about nintendo history it there's nothing else like it um and so I felt like Smash 4 definitely didn't scratch any itches I had when it came to the series. I mean, yeah, it, it, like you said, it did have a lot of necessary characters, Pac-Man and Mega Man. I, w- I was rooting for Pac-Man. I felt like I was one yeah, of the few who were rooting for Pac-Man because it just, it just wasn't a character people were asking for. But I was like, if this is going to be a true 
representation of video game history. You have to have the Pac-Man. The Pac-Man. That's right. The Batman. You have to have him because it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. He's not there. So you're right, though. The, the Smash Ballot sort of revealed, I think, obviously characters they couldn't get at the time or they didn't think they could get at the time, but also characters they sort of were overlooking due to their their own um, oversight, due to being too close, I think, to uh, the, the interior workings of yeah. the companies. And they couldn't really see what was happening in the, the larger uh, fan communities. And and the ballot was, I think, a sh- just this extremely fortunate stroke of luck on our part, uh, on everybody's part, because it, for the first time I can really think of, significantly gave us a voice towards a receptive Nintendo. It doesn't happen often. It, it does not happen often. And I, I still can't believe that everybody actually, um, I think came together and, and said, you know, like as a collective community, who do we want to see the most? And let's focus in on that. For the Donkey Kong community, that was obviously K rule. And I, you know, we, we saw Ridley announced at E3 2018. I did not expect k rule i i have to be honest i did not think k rule was going to get in i was very happy ridley was in it but there was the sort of sense of melancholy in the far back recesses of my brain where i was like but you know we're never gonna see our villain are we and it, it <laughs> yeah. just you know the the way it felt like in 2018 coming coming off of four years from tropical freeze and the the legendary sort of backlash towards tropical freeze from uh on the online gaming community online nintendo fandom and it it just kind of felt like you know yeah maybe as donkey kong fans we just need to learn our place a little bit (laughs) and ridley they they just wanted ridley more and uh, you know just accept that and, and move on and we gave it all our all and oh well and so when K. Rule was announced in early August. Then, ah, that, that was uh, that that is still surreal to me, and I don't think it will ever not be surreal. I mean, we're three years removed from that, and yeah. it still doesn't feel like it actually happened. And whenever I start playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, whenever I turn on my Switch and give it a go, I'm still kind of startled to see K. Rule there. It feels like a dream I could wake up from at any moment. And, and so, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we, we've talked about it, obviously. We've talked about it on this podcast, but it, it's, I think, the happiest moment our fandom has had since Donkey Kong Country Returns was announced. I, I don't think you could point to anything, like, obviously, there were big moments in the last decade, for sure, but as far as just this, the earth is quaking, is this really happening? Oh my god, I feel so absolutely giddy. Banjo-Kazooie came close. <laughs> but uh, K. Rule always seemed like a longer shot than Banjo-Kazooie, especially since Phil Spencer came out during the Smash Ballad back in the, the Wii U days and said, hey, I would love Banjo-Kazooie to be in it. So I think that really in- inceptioned the idea in our heads that that could happen. Whereas K. Rule always felt like we are fighting against 
Nintendo corporate culture. We are fighting against whatever ingrained notions they have towards which characters should be used and should not be used. Um, and, and we won. We got him. We got him. We got him in there. We, we just didn't just get him in there, Mitchell. We got such a pitch perfect presentation. We got such a fun character to play as. Yeah. I don't have any complaints. <laughs> if you if you remember the context of the reveal, it was the day before we had a leak of the Super Smash Brothers website, like a like an update got pushed too soon, and a Castlevania song was visible mm-hmm. on the website. So going into that presentation, everyone was just thinking like, okay, well it's going to be Simon Belmont, and that this is the Simon Belmont presentation, and not only was it. All it was Simon Belmont, but also Richter Belmont, Dark Samus, Crom, and at the end of a five-character reveal presentation, uh, King K. Rule, and King K. Rule was the stinger, the showstopper. Yeah, uh, which is awesome. It does mean that King K. Rule is one of the only new characters in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate that Sakurai has never done a presentation talking about because they just cut to black right after they did the trailer and they didn't do the whole moveset deep dive or, um, you, you know, the, the franchise mm-hmm. deep dive where he explains what King of Fighters is to millennials. <laughs> right. uh, or I guess not millennials. That's, that's an old way to say that. Gen Z. Yeah. Gen Z Zoomers, yeah. yeah. The TikTok generation, Mitchell. Yeah, the kids with their newfangled phones and fax machines. Uh, yeah, I, I hadn't considered that, but it, it's almost perfect that it just ended on that mic drop. And, yeah. and we we didn't have any elaboration on it. And, of course, I got, like, some info from one of my sources that later that day that said, hey, K. Rule did really well in the Smash Ballot. Like, I, as far as, like, Nintendo characters, he might have won it, you know? Um, so, like, obviously, we know Sora, like, won the Smash Ballot. But, you know, it's D- Disney Square Enix characters. So, yeah. Um, but, do, yeah, do I mean, he- it... Do we have time to take a brief, 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 uh, cess? Wow, that word sucks. <laughs> uh, brief recess and talk about the Smash Ballot just as itself. Cause I, I mean, think sure. the Smash Ballot is, is shaping or has shaped most of my feelings on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a plan for this episode, Mitchell. I have a okay. loose outline of things we need to talk about. But you you feel free to take us in your own directions. I I think it's very it is very possible. We'll still never know. And as Sakurai talked about during the Sora presentation, um it, it's probably a good thing that we don't know exactly who placed where and by how large of a margin mm-hmm. on the Smash ballot. Because it would put a lot of undue pressure on third-party companies. And also, I guess, just make the low people feel bad. But <laughs> um, but looking back on it, yeah, K. Rule, based on what happened with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, was probably in the top, at least in the top five Nintendo characters on the ballot. Yeah. Um, 
probably top three, maybe even higher than that. I, I think in putting myself, putting my mind's feet in the brain shoes of a 2015 Mitchell when the ballot was going on, um, Inklings might have done pretty well. That was the summer Splatoon came out. Yeah, um, it's it just the Inklings are characters that I think a lot of people just assumed they would naturally get in it. So, like, why push for them? Well, Surely people push for them, but you know what I mean, you know? Yeah, but at the time, we didn't know that the ballot was mostly not for Smash 4. <laughs> so, we, that, well, they, that, that's they didn't tell us that, no. To it. No, they, they didn't. They thought they knew how people were going to vote, and and they tried to play it like that in the end. Uh, but yeah, they they made good on the ballot with Smash Ultimate for sure. Well, that's a conspiracy theory I agree with, but what? it's not so much a conspiracy theory. I mean, they they've so they've as much said it, if not in so many words. But I think we should have seen it back in. The 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 Wii U uh, 3DS DLC mm-hmm. cycles where when they added the K Rule Me costume that came out of nowhere it was obviously done because K Rule had done astronomically well in the ballot and they they of course didn't plan on having K Rule in that game they they weren't even thinking about the notion they weren't entertaining it it was never in discussion and then the ballot comes in and they're like this character is enormously popular what happened well we can do this for now and we're going to earmark that for the next smash well what i'd love to know is the full results of the ballot (laughs) i would love to to know know it i would love to know it it's Uh. fine if my things if my favorite things are lower than i think they are i'll cry a little bit but i'd just love to know it because i what what I'd love to know first off, this is the first thing I'm going to be checking for is, does this seem like the results of a very speculation-focused group, or did they get a more mainstream group uh, in their results? Because if they got, like, if they, if they had people who were very, very deep in the speculation of Super Smash Brothers characters, especially in the context of thinking that this is for DLC for Smash 4, I don't think you would have voted for Ridley. Because Ridley seemed like it had been spoken on. Ridley seemed like Smash 4 was just not in the cards for Ridley. Um, but if it was a bit more mainstream of a of a poll than that, I think people would have voted for Ridley. And I think people would have not thought that the Inklings are a sure thing. Um, and they just would have voted how they wanted to vote and how they felt. Uh, but I don't know what happened. We know now <laughs> that the winner of the Smash ballot altogether was Sora. And um, anytime they said previously that a character had won the ballot which happened one and a half times before Sora was, was a lie. <laughs> and they say, they, they say, no, 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 we didn't lie. We said strategic untruths, buddy. That's a lie in my book. 
<laughs> it, yeah, it depends on what the definition of is is. Remember that <laughs> 90s kids? Uh, yeah, I think that ultimately it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it doesn't matter because the characters we got with, with Smash Ultimate, I think it scratches itches all around. I think everybody who has a little bit of a rash got got it uh got got the fingernails over it just a bit yeah. uh with uh, like that's that's the amazing thing too getting k rule in the base game right like the out of the box off the shelf version of the game k rules in there it it like it didn't really matter what happened after that obviously i wanted banjo kazooie but i i was just so uh over the moon with that that yeah i i see like all the people in our community who you know rightfully campaigning for dixie kong but k roll is always a bigger get than dixie kong because dixie kong as much as she should be recognized as much as she should be celebrated in a game like this she will always have a place in the donkey kong series um K. Rule's place had been arguably usurped or or rendered like non necessary. So he he had been um he had been kind of uh laid off uh made redundant and part of the campaign to get K. Rule in the game, part of the campaign to get K. Rule on the Smash ballot was to tell Nintendo, hey, we Donkey Kong fans, we exist. And we really, really like this character that you don't seem to like. Let let us explain <laughs> to you. Because it wasn't just, I'm putting a name on the Smash Ballot. You, you got to explain why you wanted that character. And- Absolutely a mistake. But I, I feel like, <laughs> I hope that they used an algorithm to read that to make sure you were human. And then threw it away and made no humans read the explanations. Oh, oh but they were so heartfelt, Mitchell. I poured my heart out. In, <laughs> Yours into might have been heartfelt. <laughs> is what I'll say. Uh, I'm sure the algorithm recognized how beautifully written mine was and, and sent it to uh, the president of Nintendo. But I think that it, it, it was a chance to let Nintendo know, hey, all due respect, you're wrong about this guy, about this character, about this fictional crocodile man. And and so getting him into Smash wasn't just like this, like he deserves it. It was we are saving this character from oblivion. And, and so that's yeah. why it meant so much to get K. Rule. And yeah, it, it means a lot to have the primary villain of the series, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder with Bowser and Ganondorf. And, and all of the other ones in that, uh, rivals trailer, just the, the whole trailer. I mean, I, I could talk about that for the rest of the episode, just the rivals trailer alone, but it just did so much towards giving us a victory, giving, giving us, uh, such, the, such a unifying moment of jubilation that, you know, it, it wouldn't have been that way with Dixie. And, and I, I think Dixie deserves to be in the game. Like, I'm not saying, like, it, sh- they were right to exclude her, but I think Dixie not being in this game is more of a sin of earlier Smash Brothers than the fault of Ultimate. Uh, cause really, Diddy should have been 
if not in Melee, then a secret character in the N64 game when you consider the time uh, it came out. And, you know, then we should have had more Donkey Kong characters scattered throughout uh, Smash sequels. It shouldn't have all just been left in one big lump at the end here. But that's what we got. And for the characters that needed to be in, these are the two characters, K. Roll and Banjo-Kazooie, that... Um, I think needed to be in the most. So I will never be upset about that. I think we were always playing catch up with other Smash franchises. And a lot of other franchises, I'm sure, felt that way too. For example, until Ultimate, Metroid only had two characters and they were yeah. both Samus and one was <laughs> just worse Samus. Well, uh, well no. Well, worse okay, Samus so- in fiction. Not in so so it, it wasn't even that they had two characters. They they introduced a variant that could ha- occur during gameplay uh, in one Smash, and then they're like, you know, let's just make this two characters. Let's just split it in two, and and so that's how we got two Metroid characters. And and I agree, that's almost worse than having just one Metroid character. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's almost like a statement on we tried to think about you guys but it was hard and we didn't want to so <laughs> we just did the same character again yeah uh, um yeah so we had friends i guess we didn't have friends in the metroid fandom for historical reasons but uh th- there were a lot of other series that sort of i'm sure felt that way and i bet that like f0 still feels that way but f0 oh, yeah. has bigger problems than smash to worry about <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say they have bigger problems than, than getting samurai yeah. what is it samurai goro Go- samurai Goku? goro okay samurai or goro. falcon or uh yeah yeah the car i want to play as the car but uh mr ead do you remember that the muscular mario from f-zero i do i like that one yeah <laughs> James McCloud. How many F Zero characters can we name? I guess that's the. I couldn't even show. name the one, honestly. <laughs> yeah. you, no, you you got Mr. E- I don't think I would have come up with Mr. EAD. Um, that, that just shows you, though. I just remember that because I remember thinking, "Wow, that's a weird choice," and, and I don't remember the, the Jody Summers. Is that one? Yeah. Wow. Hey, look okay. at you. All right, look at me. Yeah, uh, uh, Cloud them. Strife. Uh, Tifa Lockhart, <laughs> Sephiroth. <laughs> yeah, they're all in F-Zero. Uh, they're all here. Uh, yeah. The point I was trying to make was it felt like we were catching up to where the other franchise were, franchises were talking about with like their characters. If you weren't Fire Emblem, Pokemon, or Mario, you'd, you're talking about like strong secondary characters right now. Um, mm-hmm. And... We we still weren't really there with, with with Donkey Kong until K. Rule came along, and then we still even had a, a, a main character to talk about because of the nature of uh, the rare franchises and how interconnected the fandoms for Donkey Kong and Banjo were. Um, that 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 Banjo Kazooie was something to talk about even as early as before K. Rule, and it turns out. Um, did you, did you get the bit about Banjo-Kazooie's, uh, Smash Ballot standings? Did I get the bit? bit? Did you see that bit? What's that bit? So, you hear about this? You hear about this? Uh, so, uh, (laughs) 
immediately following the Sora announcement in Sakurai's private, not private, I don't know why I said private. Private uh, diary? (laughs) In his public Famitsu column, his personal Famitsu column is what I want to say, not private, uh, because I read it. It, he, He talked about how Sora had, in fact, scored the most... Uh, votes out of every character that I guess fit the criteria of being a Smash Brothers character. What we'll know, I mean, Shrek probably got more, but Shrek right. is not a video game character um, in origin, right? So Sora was number one, but the only other character he talked about in that column, uh, he said, also really, really high was Banjo-Kazooie, which was a bit surprising from a Japanese perspective, but makes sense, is what he said. And I I believe, in if especially if you go and look at the actual wording, which I don't have in front of me, um, I believe that is an indication that Banjo and Kazooie were the number two spot on the ballot. I could, I could definitely see it. And it, it's, it's honestly a little surprising for me because I feel like... Um, Banjo and Kazooie, they really like started picking up momentum again. Um, when did the ballot end? Late 2015. Uh, okay, okay. Well, I could see it because you had August sort of or September the, the the beginnings of the Renaissance and Rare Replay and Ukulele around the same time. Like all of that kind of, I th- I think that's really when Banjo Kazooie started getting a cultural Renaissance. As, as far as popularity goes and a more outspoken fandom, it had sort of been dwindling and dying. Um, and th- there were always the diehards out there. I'm not saying there weren't, but I, I could see then Banjo-Kazooie getting that close, uh, buoyed by all of that inertia and all of that um, spiritual successor talk and just their greater standing with Rare Replay and the more openness of the the modern then Microsoft Studios, now Xbox Studios. Yeah. in um, I think that we have a, a tendency within the Rare community to sort of downplay our own franchise's popularities. Oh, for sure. Because we've just been sort of beaten down over the last two decades a little bit. Um, so <laughs> we've, we've developed some defense mechanisms. I and don't know if you heard, but I opened a cider uh, just a bit ago because I was like, we're going to be talking about some some stuff that's going to bring me down and I'm going to have to lubricate my, uh, my, my, my sadness. Ciders are pretty delicious defense mechanisms, yeah. Th- this uh, cider, by the way, has a delicious surprise inside of it because it's ooh. tinged with blackberry juice so you, you've got the apple cider and then you've got just a tangy twist of a blackberry made by the good people at bold rock hard cider i i love that because you know i i like apple cider a lot i i like hard cider i, li- I like soft cider i like apple ciders but apple's a boring fruit i like it it's a boring fruit well and i also picked this because it reminds me of Banjo and Kazooie because you've got sort of the the boring do-gooding fruit that is the mm-hmm. apple. And then as you get deeper into it, you've got the uh, sort of acidic bite that is a reddish berry 
in there, which is Kazooie. What kind of fruit is King K. Rule? Hmm. Watermelons are green and round and large. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, that vein of conversation didn't last as long no, as I wanted it to. No, I was like, there's nowhere for me to go with this, Mitchell. So I, I, <laughs> That's fair. I, I, yeah. I was going to argue with you and say, no, I think K. And I was like, you know what? This is terrible podcast. So <laughs> I'm just going to agree with you. And then we could move on. Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I was saying before that, that Banjo and Kazooie are sometimes, I, I think, thought of as less popular than they really are because, well, because of a, a myriad of reasons. For one, the series has been inactive for 13 years on its own. Um, it, that was when Nuts and Bolts came out and there hasn't been a new game since then. And And for two... Um, it, it just has this, it, it's been thought of as impossible for so long that we we feel that so many people have moved past it. And in actuality, I don't think that's the case. I, I, I don't think that, um, when, when Smash started, something as old as Banjo-Kazooie would have been, well, it would have been impossible because it would have been in the 70s, right? Uh, so it would have been <laughs> oh more than extremely retro. It would have been before Nintendo hit it big with Donkey Kong. Right. It would uh, have been Pong. Yeah. It, it would have been early Atari era. And now something as old as Banjo-Kazooie is kind of just still in the conversation. It, it, it doesn't even, comp- I mean, it feels retro in that it's nostalgic and, and it's sort of a callback, but it's not not in the conversation that there's still so many people who earnestly and sincerely love it modernly. Uh, so for well, Banjo and Kazooie to be, I guess the second uh, highest vote getter in the ballot, n- not only is a big uh, vindicating thing. And I, I see someone in the chats, uh, the JT review says, I voted for Banjo back in the day. I feel vindicated now. Vindication is the word of the day, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think, too, that uh, rare fandom, but just Nintendo fandom that we're uh, kind of forever uh, entwined with. We we have this idea that, well, in Japan, they don't like rare. They, they don't like the rare properties. They don't like Banjo-Kazooie in Japan. It's not true. There are plenty of Banjo-Kazooie fans in Japan. Um, I, I think we get stuck in this mindset that I am a member of this uh, message board or I am on Twitter. And what is popular here on Twitter or on this message board is what is popular. This this speaks universally. And it doesn't necessarily. And I, I being the, the, the editor-in-chief of DK Vine, whatever the hell that means, it means i do get to see kind of a broader view of where the fandom lies and i've always said rare is huge in for example south america it is absolutely enormous there and it's it's an underserved market when i see how popular all of these characters all of these games still are in in south america that i'm just like you know this is where the market is uh even if they're not talking about it in say continental us or or europe as much um 
so yeah, it, it's all relative, you know, and you're absolutely right. Banjo Kazooie have never not been popular, but we've always made ourselves feel like they're not popular. Yeah. And it, it went from that to the point where like, oh, well, Banjo Kazooie would be, I mean, I, th- I think they were the most impossible Smash character that ended up actually being possible. People said that about Sora. Look, man, I understand that Disney's hard to work with, but Disney still like sells shirts at Hot Topic. <laughs> they will wheel out the, the contracts for people who want to pay money. Uh, you know, so- Sora was less surprising for me because we just got a Disney crossover in Sea of Thieves. So I, I, I was, I wasn't surprised. I, I was just that's, like, okay, that makes sense. Thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I mean, granted, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts guy, so I never really had stakes in it one way or another. So I wasn't up at night saying, oh, Sora's never going to get into Smash. <laughs> you know, so I, I guess I, the, the monumental impact of seeing uh, that, that key with the mouse ears on it didn't which is what i call it because i don't know the name of it uh that it didn't really hit me so Mm -hmm. i was just like oh good sora a lot of people want sora did you recognize that that it was kingdom hearts when you saw the keyblade or did it have to be did you have to see sora first i 50 50 i at first i thought it just might be mickey mouse because what i think of like the biggest like yeah. mind mind screws that you could go with for the final character in smash ultimate having mickey mouse next to mario would have would have surely been that yeah i was i mickey also came to mind for me i mean i definitely thought it was sora and i i was i was pretty sure i was like 99 percent sure but it before the actual reveal of sora coming from through the the keyhole floating on his back like how i used to swim uh i i thought maybe just <laughs> is is mickey gonna happen uh and I, i'm we, we can get to that later but i'm, I'm kind of i'm glad that mickey didn't happen in that exact way yeah because it, um, it's the same yeah. thing as this trek right like mickey mickey mouse has had more of a footprint in video games right like you mm-hmm. you can make the case Mickey Mouse is a video game character too, and I could almost buy it. But at the end of the day, Mickey Mouse still has origins outside of video game, uh, video games and in, in other media, right? So culturally, Mickey Mouse is not a video game character. Ergo, Mickey Mouse should not be in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of characters that are like very almost video game character in terms of how, how large their footprint on the video game landscape has been. Mickey Mouse is one. Goku is another. Spider-Man is another. Tony Hawk is a person. Um, (laughs) Tony Hawk, I would allow. I would allow and support Tony Hawk in Smash. uh, Because Tony Hawk, yes, he's person. But most people know that person because of the video game tony hawk became a household name because of the video game not because he was a professional skateboarder um people know more about professional skateboarding because of the tony hawk video games um yeah i i definitely think that's true that those video games in the in the late 90s when when the first ones came out had a huge cultural impact like uh, enormous people 
suddenly were skateboarding again and uh, they weren't for like a decade Be- but- before before um smash kind of expanded to include you know, all video games mm-hmm. i i was very much with the argument that Ken Griffey Jr. from the uh, 90s Seattle Mariners should be in Super Smash Brothers because he is a Nintendo character. <laughs> uh, well, you got Ken Griffey, and then of course uh, James Bond was was talked about as early as in the speculation for Melee. Yeah, James Bond. I think I think working with uh, Eon Productions and, and the Broccoli family would be harder than working a deal with Disney. That is never going to happen. Is it the Broccoli family? Yeah, the Broccoli family has the movie rights to James Bond. They're called the Broccolis. The Broccoli. Like, yeah, Broccoli. Yeah, Broccoli. Oh, that's that's delicious. That's <laughs> James Bond's favorite vegetable. What kind of vegetable would James Bond be? A broccoli. Broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> broccoli for sure. Um, but we, we went from this, this time period where Banjo-Kazooie were not popular in our heads and impossible to like the, the weeks leading up to E3 2019 when, um, when it, Banjo and Kazooie and also Hero from Dragon Quest were going to be revealed pissed me off a lot and I th- <laughs> I'm I'm finally ready to talk about it. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that turn. Uh cuz I was like, yeah, yeah, nothing but nothing but positivity. Yeah, I remember like everybody was getting excited about Banjo and then you're like, no, actually it was miserable and let me explain to you. It pissed me off because people were starting to say out of nowhere, like, oh, yeah, it's probably Banjo. Like, it, it would be that that's like the most likely thing. Banjo has never been likely. Banjo will never be likely, even though it turned out the likelihood in, in a way was 100 percent. It was still unlikely. You, we're, we're not allowed to say Banjo is likely because that is w- w- after t- this much time a- after this much time. No, <laughs> we're not allowed to say <laughs> shit like that. It's frustrating that n- now, like I, right up to the reveal, just because I think it was speculated about so much, people had turned that speculation into evidence that it was happening, which is not how speculation works. No. And it, 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 we're looking at it like oh man it's definitely gonna happen now so like if we see it i guess it wouldn't even be the craziest thing we could see wildly wrong wildly incorrect it is the craziest thing you could have seen it's still the craziest thing that happened in total uh that's that's your opinion i i still argue k rule was crazier than banjo and kazooie and the only reason i say that is if phil spencer hadn't come out and said I want this to happen, then I, I would agree with you. But I think we yeah. had been, I had been conditioned for it for a few years by that point. So, so much so that if you remember back when we were talking about this at E3 2018, we weren't really talking about K rule as a possibility. We were talking about Banjo and Kazooie as a possibility. And so I, I think the way it all shook out in the end was absolutely perfect. Had this big mind blowing reveal that we weren't anticipating really uh, August of 2018 before the game comes out with K rule and then have Banjo and Kazooie as part of the first DLC wave and have that revealed at E3 2019. I mean, you couldn't script a better 
chain of events than the way it happened and to link the two trailers together. Oh yeah, that's good. God. That's really good. I mean, don't take our word for it now. Take our word for it then because we recorded ourselves in one of those uh, cheap Chinsky uh, reaction videos. We did one of those because we were all in the same room. It was Mitchell, it was me, it was Cameron, Regal, and Jeff Onan. We were all together at E3 2019. And we, we videotaped ourselves for the direct in case anything big, anything spicy, as you would say, Mitchell, happened. And it, it got spicy. Would I say that? <laughs> you would. You would. That's a Mitchellism. That's, that's okay, spicy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, it got spicy and we, we reacted and, uh, that's on our YouTube channel, the DK Vine YouTube channel. Um, so anyway, uh, it, it was, I, I, I mean, I, I never thought that the trailer would have as much fan service for our community as it did. I, 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 at the very least, I was hoping that Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong would play a part, a big part in it. I was hoping for a moment between them and Banjo and Kazooie, right? Uh, if it happened at all. But to have it be a straight sequel to the K. Rule trailer and, and to just like fully embrace and acknowledge this idea that Banjo and Kazooie uh, started life as a quasi Donkey Kong spinoff and that there's this uh, linkage between the two franchises to have Nintendo acknowledge that because Rare yeah, has never stopped acknowledging that really but uh, that, that, that was I, I think the biggest victory uh, our community and our website has ever been handed I, I say K. Rule meant more but uh, that's only circumstantial uh, trying to, to remove myself from the moment. Um, ju- I mean, just think back to like 2004, 2005, we would have never thought Nintendo would have acknowledged this again. And, and to have it be like as one of the big reveals at E3. Surreal. Uh, again, to use yeah. that word. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing to have that moment where you are given proof that other people care about the stuff you care about. Or think the way that you do. Um, because, yeah. you know, DK Vine, we've been stubborn. We've been stubbornly holding on to this idea of a shared universe of rare properties, um, for well past the expiration date. Um, because, because it, it was, you know, of course, the sort of universal truth during the N64 era. And then the buyout happened and we got further away from that notion and it became a relic and it became forgotten about. And Zoomers sure as hell don't think in those terms. And <laughs> so to have this presented to us is like, now you're right. You're right. Here you go. Yeah, I was in this um, I was in this discord group. Uh, discord server. I had joined the discord server for the popular Smash speculation YouTuber Papa Gino. And uh, I, I joined it. Not because, I mean, I, I think Papa Gino is all right. He's whatever. But Pizza I joined sucks. it because I wanted to get uh, boots on the ground feelings of, of like, how are people feeling right now vis-a-vis speculation for Smash characters? Uh, what's what's hot right now? What's spicy, Heil? And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I, th- th- there was, there's one guy... 
there was just one guy in there who gave me such a such an, a mind impression, such a lasting memory of how he was talking about. I'm 14 years old, he says on the internet in public. <laughs> I'm 14 years old, and I would be P.O.'d. It meant a lot to me that he said P.O.'d instead of pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be P.O.'d if Banjo-Kazooie, a literal who from a boomer-ass boom, got in <laughs> Smash Brothers before Steve from Minecraft. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And... You know, you have you have some uh, you have some reactions when you hear something like that. <laughs> your your bones bend a certain way, sure. Uh, to with your spider sense, just it's like spider sense, but instead of the hair being raised off your arms, it's just like your bones breaking in your body, and j- just hearing that happen. And I I was there in the Discord server, so I had the uh, I had the pristine opportunity of responding to this person and i i wanted to like i wanted to keep it in check you know there's no there's no reason to talk to a 14 year old ever but especially when you disagree with them it's better to just not get the conversation <laughs> wow started. you are approaching 30 Mitchell. wow <laughs> <laughs> but the, the 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 choice i went with was have you heard about Banjo-Kazooie outside of Smash Brothers speculation? That was the question I wanted the answer to. Mm. And this guy said, yeah, it's one of Nintendo's many failures. And that was a very interesting take on it. I didn't say anything else beyond that. Um... It's, yeah, just just an interesting perspective. And then Banjo-Kazooie did get in Smash before Steve from Minecraft. Although, Steve from Minecraft did also get into Super Smash Brothers, which I think it deserves to be. Steve from Minecraft's a huge game, and look, I, I think it's a good game. But you, you look back at the people who downvoted, the mad people who downvoted that Best Friends trailer, the, the title for the, the Banjo-Kazooie reveal, and you know a lot of that was just Steve fans, right? Who thought Steve is not going to get... <laughs> they should go back, by the way, now and change that to an upvote or at least remove the downvote uh, because it's not is needed it, now. Are there a lot of downvotes on that video? No, there there, there are some. And I always oh, wonder okay. about the some. Like, what possesses you to say, I am going to express hatred towards this? And it's just because yeah, they, they didn't get a character they wanted. They, it was somebody else's turn. Uh, but I mean, that's been the story of Smash. Every Smash reveal between Diddy Kong and K. Rule for me. So you know, it's it's fine. It's you, it's part of what Smash is. Is everybody can't win at every turn. But the the choice of, of Banjo and Kazooie and Steve as as like two Microsoft slash Xbox representatives. I mean, it's perfect, right? Like I know a lot of people wanted Master Chief. Or, or whatever, but I think if you're going to select two characters that represent different things for video games and or their relation to Nintendo, it's got to be those two. And, and I say that as a Rare fan, as a DKU fan, who, you know, Conquer didn't deserve to be in Smash. 
I mean, he yeah. does. He does in a sense. But when, when you look at all these other characters who deserve to be in, I'm willing to take a loss there and say, yeah, yeah, leave Conker out. Because Steve from Minecraft probably deserves it more. Definitely well, deserves Conquer, it more. I, I, I wish if there was anything about Ultimate that I really wish was, was changed around, I wish that Banjo and Kazooie were in the base game rather than DLC. I do I really? do wish that happened. Yeah, because there's a lot of things in the game that are still sort of built around the base game. Like World of Light um, has mm. scripted encounters for all of the base game characters, and then it just sort of dumps all the DLC characters yet on you at a certain point through the game if you have them already. Um, like the mural in the classic mode, stuff like that. And also items and assist trophies. So if if Banjo and Kazooie were in the game from the beginning, I reckon that th- there's a little bit of a reckoning happening for me right, right now. I reckon Conquer might have been a an assist trophy. I could that, see Conquer as been a spirit. as high as Conquer would ever soar in Smash. <laughs> well, I, I, I do think uh, missed opportunity was not having more in the way of spirit characters um, that are just rare, uh, r- rare general spirits like Conquer for sure. The Diddy Kong racing cast, that was a huge opportunity right there that nobody uh, took advantage of to get like a, a timber spirit or a tip top spirit, uh whiz pig spirit. And, and then, you know, m- move it, expand it to blast core jet force, all of these properties that were on the N64. So, you know, um, but I, I like the way, I like that we got a big DLC character and I like that we got a big base character. I say we being DK Vine, uh, the broader DKU. I understand there are people who listen to this who only like Donkey Kong or who are bigger banjo fans than anything. So then I could, I could see your perception changing, but I, I'm pleased. Um, and, and it's funny because when we got Banjo and Kazooie, I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I honestly would feel bad if I got anything else in this game. As much as I want Dixie, at that point, Dixie's not going to be part of any DLC package. I think the only really uh, underwhelming character they had in a DLC package was the fifth one for the original Fighters Pass. Uh, was yeah. Fire Emblem. Which Fire Emblem character was that, Mitchell? That was Byleth. Byleth. Yeah, it's just like, what? what, what? Okay, like, it, it's a meme at this point, Fire Emblem character in Smash, haha, but uh, I wasn't upset about it, obviously, because I couldn't be upset about it, but that was the only character that lacked the pizzazz, and I think that could have been, like, just as interchangeably uh, a Dixie Kong, or uh, an F-Zero character, or a new Pokemon that hasn't been in Smash, or you know, whatever, but um, every other big fighter from the fighters pass has been from another company outside of Nintendo. Right. Am I right there? Am I wrong? Am I right? Um, you are not right. So I... in fighter pass two, we started out with Min Min from arms. Oh, okay. And then later got Pyra and Mithra from Xenoblade Chronicles two, which is a first party then Nintendo I'm game. Then I'm wrong. I'm uh, wrong. I'm, but I'm not afraid to admit I'm wrong. I, I love that character arc for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but still like i i think dixie kong and, and i'm here, here's where i'm upset about um the the only thing i'm upset about as far as the lack of any more donkey on characters they had this great new b 
feature with Super Smash Brothers Ultimate called Echo Fighters, right? And, and they introduced Echo Fighters, and we got Daisy in the game as an Echo Fighter, Dark Samus in the game as an Echo Fighter. I feel like they forgot about it after a while. And we could have easily had Funky Kong in the game as an Echo of Donkey Kong. Uh, you you could I would have even allowed Dixie as an Echo of Diddy, right? Um, we 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 didn't get those. We didn't get those, and it was an opportunity. At first, I really liked the classification of Echo Fighters. Um, for for a couple reasons. One was that it took the characters that were based on other characters, but not clones. Like they they the way you control them. And the way you would play them competitively is just very different. Characters like Falco or um, Lucas in in comparison to Ness, they're very different characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and to see them elevated a bit above what you would be talking about as clones was cool. And also, it seemed like this specific kind of clone that Lucina and Dark Pit were, where just a couple things they do have different characteristics, but they're largely the same character blueprint. Uh, I thought that was nice. I thought that was good to have. But then, the five there, there's five new Echo Fighters in, um, in, in, in Smash Ultimate. That's the name and of the game. they all yeah. are completely different amounts of clone. And it, they're different amounts of clone to the point where it no longer makes any sense that they are their own category so i don't like it anymore oh okay. because daisy is basically exactly the same as peach richter is exactly the same as simon and dark samus is exactly the same as samus minus like the smallest thing that is rarely even mechanically important and then ken is an echo fighter not a chance man look at ken he's like way faster he's got different moves than Ryu and uh Krom plays completely differently than Roy. Uh the the fact that Roy and Krom have the same move animations is almost um a red herring for the fact that those are completely different playable characters. So I don't know. I was I was frustrated with Echo Fighters by the end of it because they didn't seem to all be the same idea. It it no longer felt like a category of anything it just said it just felt like something they were doing i i have to be honest though i'm just glad that nobody uses the word clone anymore because i hated that term i i i hate oh that that's a character is just a clone of that character and i don't know um hmm. maybe it's maybe because i'm not a, a more mechanical smash player i'm not in the tourney scene i'm not thinking in those terms i'm just thinking hey there's ganondorf from off of Zelda. Oh, he's yeah. evil. He's a baddie. He's a bad dude. And I'm not just thinking, oh, but he's just Captain Falcon. No, I'm not thinking that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever had that perspective on it, but but I, I think that's that's an interesting thing, too. Echo is a lot cooler sounding than clone. Clone, clone sounds dismissive, whereas Echo sounds like it's um, it's just uh, a snappy branding. Clones is the worst Star Wars movie. It is, yeah. And there hasn't been a Star Wars movie with the word Echo in it, so we we can just imagine it's the greatest, the, the greatest since Empire. 
you know i've i've been saying that for so long i i haven't realized i might like rise of skywalker less than attack of the clones ah come on now don't get get, in 20 years nobody will be thinking in those terms it's just it's where the zeitgeist is right now is where let's reevaluate the prequels and let's tear down the rise of skywalker i'm not reevaluating attack of the clones i just hate (laughs) rise of skywalker all right last jedi Uh, i love last and i know a lot of people hate that one that one is is in my top at least top three with New Hope and Empire. There, there's um, a lot of things I would change with Rise of Skywalker, but uh, it's still more competently made. And I think uh, I, I appreciate the characters more than I do in Attack of the Clones. So anyway, 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 uh, getting off topic here, Mitchell, because this isn't the Star Wars versation. That's not even a pun. That's just, that's just a terrible name for a podcast. But that's yeah, not what this game. is. <laughs> well, look, I I don't do Star Wars podcasts. I do I do I do DKU and the Kongs. So the the great thing about uh, Banjo Kazooie too is we got so much more than just the characters because K Rule was great, but it was just K Rule, right? Mm-hmm. K Rule, like we didn't get any new stages. We didn't we didn't get anything attached to him uh, aside from a couple music tracks uh, that that personify him, but. Banjo Kazooie, we got the spirits, we got the stage, we got new Grant Kirkhope arrangements. Uh, the first Western composer in Smash. I mean, that is the level they went to to get this right. Grant Kirkhope, who doesn't even work with Rare anymore, right? They they just like got Grant Kirkhope, um, who had already done obviously the the soundtrack for Mario Plus Rabbits Kingdom Battle and Donkey Kong Adventure. And uh, so he had already worked with Nintendo Sans Rare, so they had that in uh, with uh, Davide Soliani. But it, it's just it's just remarkable to me that as a a fan of all these people and all of these games and this uh, tapestry that is Rare and Platonic and Donkey Kong, that you can have a Grant Kirkhope develop new Banjo-Kazooie mu- music for Nintendo in the year 2019 or, or whatever. And um, like just like David Wise doing new Donkey Kong music for Tropical Freeze. And it's, it's, it's just, it would have been unfathomable, uh, unthinkable back 10 years before that in the mid-aughts when the divorce was still fresh and the dividing line harsh, you you wouldn't have you wouldn't have seen that. Um, aside from maybe the Game Boy Advance games, but you know, uh, so I, I think that really made Banjo Kazooie extra special. And the Spiral Mountain stage is just perfection. It's everything I'd probably wanted with the Banjo Kazooie stage whenever I daydreamed about it. Because of course it's got to be Spiral Mountain. Uh, and, and then to have Bottles and Mumbo and Gruntilda and the Jinjos and Tootie. Oh, don't even get me started on the, the resurrection of Tootie as a brand. Oh my god. Tootie yeah. Mania is running wild, Mitchell. I have a Tootie toy behind me right now. That would have been unthinkable. Just I can't know how to ago. stop talking about Tootie. Once you get me started on the Tootie train, I'll conduct it off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I'll conduct that train until the cows come home. 
know, because Tootie, Tootie is the most forgotten. <laughs> I'm choking on Tootie. Tootie is the Ew. most forgotten Banjo Kazooie character. No, I will. I would argue the two most forgotten Banjo Kazooie characters, Tootie and the Ginginator. And we are are knee deep. We are soaking in both so much right now. And, yeah. and we've got Tootie and Ginginator merchandise. We've got Tootie and the Ginginator in a new Nintendo game. Uh, people are people know what the Ginginator is. We we got uh we we got lauded in our reaction video because we screamed the Ginginator, the Ginginator. And apparently in a lot of reaction videos, nobody knew the name of the Ginginator. So we revealed ourselves as the true fans, Mitchell. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad they had the Ginginator in that and not the the Buzz Bomb spirit because I didn't know that name. Buzz Bomb. Yeah, Buzz Bomb is also I would say Buzz Bomb is the third biggest victory <laughs> uh, uh between 2D and the Ginginator, then you got Buzz Bomb who has all of a sudden been like vaulted to top tier Banjo-Kazooie baddie status uh just because it smashes the Kingmaker. Hey, it happens, and uh, we got a Buzz Bomb spirit. Buzz Bombs are in the Spiral Mountain stage. You're right. I, I forgot about them. Can't believe I almost forgot about the BB. Yeah, BB's out here just looking like a snack. And Banjo-Kazooie, in, I, I think it speaks to how uniquely Rare has treated the Banjo franchises, or the Banjo franchise while, you know, while it was still getting new games compared to other franchises because the biggest game in the Banjo-Kazooie series is Banjo-Kazooie without a doubt it's yeah. the, it's like monolithically larger and more important than Banjo-Tooie for sure and both Banjo-Kazooie and Tooie are monolithically more important than Nuts and Bolts uh and then the console trilogy is way more important than the Game Boy Advance games uh, so, in and then the Game Boy Advance games are more important than the mobile adaptations of the Game mm-hmm. Boy Advance games, and then that's where we ended because I'm not. That, go yeah, I don't know the... what they're more important than, uh, but the, the the fact of the matter is that if it was any other series, and we kind of did see it with Donkey Kong, uh, you would go back to the first game and and take a lot of your world building from that uh, because. The things that matter to that game are the things that are going to matter to the most people because that's the game people played and still love. Um, but they they didn't do that. They they were more courageous than that. And Banjo Tooie introduces this whole new swath of characters that instantly become mainstays. Even though I'd wager that most people who like Banjo Kazooie did not play Tooie and. Uh, wouldn't really recognize Humble Wumba. Or if you play Nuts and Bolts, you'd be like, okay, but why is Grunty a skeleton in a jar in a robot? <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> uh, and they kept with it the whole time. And, and uh, to that end, they kept building rather than like looping back to the, the entrance of the series for uh things like Tootie and the Ginginator and Buzz Bomb. Yeah. So to see Smash be like kind of the one official Banjo Kazooie thing that does do that is kind of weird. 
I think they struck the perfect balance in Smash because there are like nods to Tui and and even nuts and bolts, but uh, it's by and large the original Banjo Kazooie, which is what you associate the most with Nintendo. I know Banjo Tui was on the N sixty four, but um, by that point you could almost feel like the the tether between Rare and Nintendo starting to sever just a bit. Um, the wanderlust it set in and. Uh, so, so Banjo Kazooie though is, is just at its heart, at its beating heart, a Nintendo game, and uh, so so it was just great to, to have Spiral Mountain in all of its glory, and and like the primary cast of Banjo Kazooie there, and uh, like the Ginginator, which is just such an obscure pool, but something that the most hardcore, the hardcore fans will appreciate. Gibbons in the chat. Uh, making an excellent point that the mobile games are more important than the Lunchables Flash game. Don't get me started on that Lunchables game. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't. You don't want me started on that Lunchables game. Don't even look. Don't get me started on Lunchables as a concept because they're too high in sodium. They're what are they doing to the kids in our lunchrooms? That's the problem with kids today. It's the sodium. <laughs> You know, they 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 consume high sodium lunches, and then they get on the TikTok, and then they start talking about how Banjo Kazooie is for the boomers. And I'm like, listen here, <laughs> that's the salt talking. Calm down. <laughs> we we the older millennials on down need to ally against the boomers. Don't be s- s- aligning us with the boomers because we like Banjo Kazooie. That's nonsense. Hmm. I don't like that. I don't <laughs> I don't agree with this antagonism of an entire generation of humans, but no, it, I like the style. I when I when I talk about boomers, I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. Oh, I was talking about Zoomers, but Oh, no. No, we, I, I'm we, say- we can we can antagonize boomers. They they've had No, I I'm saying Zoomers and millennials, we need to join forces. I see. Okay. Got you. I understand because, what you're because saying Because the now. boomers have all the wealth. Um. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, that Lunchables Flash game. It's not the worst Flash game I've ever played for a snack food. <laughs> there were a lot of those for a good period of time. Not the worst Flash game I've ever played for a snack food. Yeah, yeah. That's it's it's weird that there can be a whole subgenre. Uh, snack food flash games. Snack food flash games. Cameron brings <laughs> yeah. up a good point in a live stream chat that uh, Buzz Bomb is the one character uh, anyone who ever turned Banjo Kazooie on for five seconds would know. That's a great I mean, point. I feel like that's just he just said that to shame me because <laughs> I said I didn't know the name earlier. You didn't uh, know the name, but you know the the dragonfly, the yeah. shape. Yeah. yeah. I, if I was hard-pressed before the reveal of Banjo-Kazooie in the game uh, to name the dragonfly, like gun to my head, I would have told you, trick question, that dragonfly does not have a name. <laughs> And I would have gotten a bullet through the head for that. Uh, you would have. So be thankful that never happened. That absurd scenario never <laughs> never traipsed upon your life. Well, t- now I welcome it. 
Oh, yeah, because you'd be ready. You'd be like, no bullet in my head. And and then this this bizarre fanatical executioner who just walks around with Banjo-Kazooie trivia at the ready would mm-hmm. walk away with nothing but respect for you. And, and yeah, they would they say... Yeah, they their match. They would say, this is why I do what I do to meet people like you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what they do is shoot people in the head who don't know Buzz Bomb. I, you know what? I, I say that I would know it, but guns in my head, that's a lot of pressure. I might get it wrong still. I might, might say Billabong. Might, I, I, might, I, I, <laughs> I might say Flitter by mistake, because that's the dragonfly from Donkey Kong Country 2. Um, there's a lot of names for dragonflies that you could say. Yeah. <laughs> so. This is a good podcast. No, I'm I'm having a great time. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, like, wh- where, where, where do we go from here? Because once Banjo-Kazooie, once the reveal happened, once they were in the game, I, I said, whatever happens from this point on, I won't really care. I, I just want as many other fandoms to be as happy as Smash Ultimate made me. And, I mean, as far as the selection of characters go, I'd say they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Objectively, they, they are a pretty good bunch. Sora, obviously, was the most wanted and requested, so he should be there. Uh, even though I have no personal connection to him, happy he's there. But what, what do you think of uh, some of the others? Um, I guess just running down the list from after Banjo. By the way, so, sorry, one thing we didn't really talk about that I wanted to talk about with Banjo real quick was just the music is great. Um, the music, the remixes they did of Kazooie and Tui songs are great. I really wish there was some nuts and bolts representation in the music. Or, I mean, this would never happen, but Spiller's Harbor from... Grunty's Revenge is, is one of my personal favorite. Why is Spiller's songs. Harbor everybody's favorite? It's a good song. It's just it it's I don't know from a music theory standpoint why it's good, but I wanted to hear the music theory standpoint because it's it's uh it's included as part of that uh rare thirty five soundtrack that they put on uh like iTunes and, and uh Spotify and and it's just the it's just like one of the only GBA tracks on there, but um I'm just like, I hadn't really considered this song at all, but it's here, so it must matter. <laughs> the, <laughs> so I was just, just wondering. Well, I, if I'm not mistaken, Matt Corna uh, of DK Vine, from off of DK Vine fame, uh, w- would sometimes, when he'd play music uh, live, he would warm up by playing Spiller's Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fun anecdote about him. But... Yeah, I, I I guess it's just kind of got that wandering melody that a lot of the Disneyland, like playing outside Disneyland songs have. But you don't go to Spiller's Harbor as often as some people go to Disneyland. No. Um, so you, you, you would you don't get it that like it's a small world virus in your head. So it, it never has shown its ugly side. That's what I like about Spiller's Harbor. You know, it's funny because Spiller's Harbor is just a world full of fluids. Bodily mm. fluids, excrement, oil. I mean, it, it it is the most, I think, fluid-centric world in any Banjo-Kazooie game. And then you have me wondering, 
you may not visit Spillers Harbor as much as you do Disney World or Disneyland, but are there more fluids in the Disney parks <laughs> than there are Spillers Harbor? Pound for pound, like, how would we uh, analyze that? It's a good topic for another conversation. Yeah, what Down a question. Yeah. Yeah, what a gross question. <laughs> um, but like you said, Grant Kirkhope got a song in there and it, it kicks ass. But something I, I never thought would happen is Yoko Shimomura uh, did a song. for she, uh, she is the one that did the Treasure Trove Cove. Mm, yeah. And Treasure Trove, that's probably my favorite one. That that one just is awesome. She is a very well-known Japanese uh, video game composer. She does all the uh, Kingdom Hearts games. So that's another uh, tie to Kingdom Hearts, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and she she does the Mario and Luigi uh, franchise of, of video games. It's, yeah. it's just cool to see really... Uh, a bunch of really respected people like game designers like Sakurai and composers like Yoko Shimomura uh, all focus on banjo for a little bit. That's it's such a, a wonderful thing. Well, that's that that's what's great about really Smash, though, is that it doing brings that. together disparate um, franchises, communities. Uh, and puts it all under one roof, and and that's what's so exciting and thrilling about it to me. So to so to have you know other famed video game composers doing arrangements of banjo kazooie music, um, that that's the that's the kind of surreal feeling you get just seeing you know banjo and kazooie fighting uh, Mega Man, for example. You know, it, it's just yeah. it's just like, but it but it's on a more metatextual level. It's not not as immediately visceral, but when you stop and you really let it wash over you, um, it takes you places. Definitely takes you places. <laughs> but I, I, sorry. Uh, the question you asked before was, what did I feel about the other DLC characters? Yeah. Um, there are 12. So I, I mean, I mean, look, I, I am pretty insulated from the broader video game, culture from from gaming fandom in general i i am a specialist when it comes to what mm-hmm. i know and what i talk about and um I, I can't be a jack of all trades uh you won't find me writing for kotaku beloved video game site kotaku but you, uh, if you applied yourself <laughs> i bet you could get on kotaku would I want to, though, is the question. And to that, I say no, Taku. No. Ooh, burn. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not either, though. I, I, I feel like I'm I'm pretty off base You know sometimes. more than me. You know more than me. Well, I, I guess I know what they're doing, but I, I don't agree with them a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, when Fighters Pass 2 started with an ARMS character... I was like, yes! I, I really wanted an ARMS character. Uh, because I, I f- felt that ARMS had this super unique aesthetic um, and had wonderful character designs. Uh, and it, it looked like it was just like badly timed for Smash at first. And I guess it was because it was, yeah. they didn't know they were going to do a Volume 2 Fighter's Pass. Um, so when ARMS was confirmed to be in the game... I thought that was awesome. Other people did not. 
it turned out that people don't like that as much. Uh, (laughs) Sometimes conflating that with the unexcitement of Byleth, even. uh, I think that's silly. Unfair. I think that's silly because I I feel like Arms definitely deserves it as much as Splatoon deserves it, Um, and and Arms being what it is, I think it's a natural fit for Smash. I remember when. Let, let me let me age myself. Let me show you uh, how disgusting I am to fourteen year olds, Mitchell. Uh, when, when Smash was new, when Smash was a, a dewy uh, infant, um, and and it was on the N sixty four, and we just had the one game, and we all we could do is speculate about what a sequel might look like. You know, we spitballing characters, and and one of the the character types I was thinking of was, hey, there's this uh, fighting game, or kind of a boxing game on the Virtual Boy called Telleroboxer. I would love to see some Telleroboxers in Smash. And that sounds stupid today. But back in 1999, you're only a couple years removed from Telleroboxer, only like two years removed from the failure of the Virtual Boy. So, yeah, sure, why not? I, I feel like ARMS is in the tradition of those kind of Nintendo games that come along and they, they might not catch fire quite as much as something else does, but uh, they're still a part of the legacy. And that's exactly why I like Smash kind of scooping them up. Yeah, ARMS reminded me a lot of... We said earlier that everyone got a little bit of taste of what they wanted in Ultimate, and that's that's almost true. I think pretty much everyone is largely accounted for but the the people that aren't are i think fans of like an early to mid 2000s era of video game that nintendo put out that feels sort of like how arms went where they just put something out and it had fans but then it it just didn't carry on and those things there's not very many of them left that aren't in smash as characters but there are a few they are uh golden sun rhythm heaven Mm. Advance Wars, mm. Chibi Robo. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's the, funny. It's yeah. funny you say all of those things because all of those things I felt like were sure bets than K. Rule at one point in time. Yeah, Custom Robo. Uh, like the the lead up to Brawl, those were the biggest talking points, other than the characters that eventually got in. Yeah. Um, oh, I, so- I I remember. I remember Rhythm Heaven. <laughs> like, uh, and, and whenever I would make these, uh, just, just for fun, for, for funsies, I would do these, uh, mock, like, rosters of, like, newcomers. And I would always make sure to include, like, a Rhythm Heaven character because, like, that's, that's what people wanted. And I had to listen to the people. People power. <laughs> um, a lot of those games are great. Uh, Rhythm Heaven is a good franchise. And Rhythm Heaven is now the most popular franchise by sales um, of Nintendo's that is not in the game. Yeah. Uh, as a playable character. Yeah. And and also, that first Chibi-Robo game is amazing. Every other Chibi-Robo game is a little bit trash. <laughs> but that first Chibi-Robo game on the GameCube is genuinely awesome. Uh, you play as a little robot guiding a family through a difficult divorce. That's not very Nintendo, but it happened. That's how the GameCube was. Um, 
I mean, the but, GameCube yeah. was all about a difficult divorce for me when, with, with Rare and Nintendo. So, <laughs> Chibi Robo is a retelling of the Rare buyout <laughs> from the perspective of a Toy Story-esque <laughs> robot. I, I guess, uh, like, WarioWare didn't really get any uh, representation. What got Wario? Uh, you know what I mean, though. Like, the, the WarioWare cast. Uh, wa- that, that's Wallow- true. Waluigi, of course, is what most people would go on about. But, like, I, I, th- I think, like, it's arguable if you would count Wario as a completely separate franchise from Mario. You know, I, I know as a Donkey Kong fan, that's, uh, that's a bad thing for me to say because then people just throw that in my face. But I, I feel like just like the linkage between Banjo Kazooie fans and Donkey Kong fans, like, yeah, you didn't get Waluigi, but look how many characters in your sphere are in this game. Um, so. I, I suppose so. Um, I mean, no, actually, I don't agree. I, I think that <laughs> uh, WarioWare is, is a very different thing. Because if you're talking about people who are into WarioWare, they will not care about Mario characters that are added to the game. Um, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Uh that said, even even WarioWare, like, the version of Wario that we got is much more based on WarioWare than Wario Land. Mm-hmm. And we have a bunch of WarioWare stages. So, yeah. Um, so, there, there's some there's some stuff. I guess for, for the Smash game after Ultimate, I would... I would uh, because Pokemon Trainer and Banjo-Kazooie were my most desired characters to come back... Well, to come back for Pokemon Trainer and to be there at all for Banjo-Kazooie in this game, uh, I don't really have desires anymore. I'm living yeah. my life as Siddhartha Buddha once did himself, <laughs> passing through as if a lotus leaf on a river. And I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping for the Rhythm Heaven fans and the Golden Sun fans to get something cool and interesting in the next, um, in the next Smash. That, that's what I'm hoping for. We'll we'll talk about the idea of the next Smash uh, t- towards the end here. I have some calls uh, to ooh, play, ooh. and uh, I'd like to hear from the people, people power, and uh, people power, yeah. we'll play them. We'll talk about them as we do. Why wouldn't we talk about them? Why would I play them and then us not talk about them, Mitchell? That'd be funny. <laughs> I could just end the ep. I could play the calls and then. End the episode, and then they're like, "Why did I even call in?" Waste you could have of time. audio from anything in here. We could get the full audio of the B movie starring Jerry Seinfeld in here. Oh, don't get me started! Don't get me started on that because I know, like, the B from B movie probably did very well in the Smash Ballot, and that <laughs> that, that just aggravates me. That aggravates me because it's just like the people who voted for Kanye. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, Wasting the- it. The B from B movie is somewhere like maybe above K. Rule, but below Banjo Kazooie in that little sandwich. <laughs> That's where the B from B movie is. Here's the first call. Hi. Hi, it's Rafael from Brazil. I've chatted a little on the forum and also on Twitter, but it's my first time calling you guys. I thought it was a good time to do so since Mesh Ultimate made my way into DK Vine. Back in 2018, I fell in love with a three-hour-long video about K. Rool's inclusion in Smash. There was Conversations, episode 622. 
Since then, I kept listening to all Zeke Vines podcasts, and that reignited my childhood love for rap. I don't know if you guys saw it, but last year I did an illustration of his Smash Brothers-like game with rap characters. I call it it Super Rap Dude. There was a way of showing my love for Rare and Smash and also you guys. So, since we are celebrating so much love for Rare uh, uh, um, and Smash, here's my question. If they have included a new stage for K. Rule, what would it be? Thanks a lot and keep the good work. And also, shout out to my cousin Daniel, who is a big fan of, of the show and helped me with the illustration. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you for the call, Raphael. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, from Brazil, just like I said, the South America, huge rare fandom. Uh, so great to hear from you. Uh, and, and yes, I beautiful re- call in. Yeah, I remember the super rare dudes. I, the most distinctive part of that for me was seeing, uh, Pierce Brosnan and James Bond there. Um, just because <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, the broccolis would never let that happen. But it, it, it's, uh, I, I've, you know, I, you're right. Like part of that legacy, even if they don't want to admit it. Um, and what the, what the Bond games like to do, right, is they, they never, they very rarely like to do a vintage Bond. They did it for Sean Connery once, uh, the From Russia with Love game, but it always has to be the current Bond in the Bond games, and they will, like, do that, like, remake of GoldenEye, but put Daniel Craig in it. And you're like, well, that's not GoldenEye, then, you idiot. So, uh, anyway, long story short, I have a a Funko Pop of Pierce Brosnan's James Bond, just because of the rare connection. No other reason. Um, But yeah, uh, thank you for calling. And I think the question was, uh, what stage would we have liked to see for K. Rule? In Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, because K. Rule did not get a stage, Mitchell. Um, yeah. Um, so I mean, it's a, hard to not say Gangplank Galleon, right? It's easy to say not Gangplank Galleon. I I would say because oh. I think there are too there's too many similar things to the Gangplank Galleon already in Smash. Um, there's the the Wind Waker stage. Uh, arguably there's the, um, the, the flying ship from, uh, Mario. Um, it's a little bit different, but I, he, I guess, yeah. Here's um, the thing. I, I, I wouldn't trust, uh, the, the, the smash stage craftspeople to make a gangplank galleon stage that wouldn't just be irritating to play. Cause, cause it, it would be one of those scrolling stages and you, you, it would, I don't know, sink and you would have to hop on something and, and there would be cannonballs falling down you at all the, every point in time and it would just be a mess, right? What if it was on the top of a mast like the boss battle with Crow? I, I would be for that if, if it was, Less like the end of Donkey Kong Country and more just taking a sliver of a concept from Donkey Kong Country 2 and expanding that into a stage. That would be great. Uh, I was thinking, though, like maybe something a little bit more deep. Uh, not okay. deep, not deep as in, wow, that is a profound choice, Heil. Uh, that really uh, enlightened me. Thank you. No, I, I meant deep, like Gingenator, deep pool, 
why why not have the stage be the crocodile core uh from the end of Duncan Country 2 cuz i think that would thematic- be cool. thematically resonant right um the the kremlin source uh and of course like the site of Rule's greatest defeat and you could, you might even be able to do some fun stuff with it like knock players in the the source and and then maybe the stage starts shaking and it like i i don't know i don't know i'm not a gamesman like you are mitchell but I, I, I think in terms of lore and visual excitement, and that excites me on all fronts there. Um, I think Mechanical Crocodile Isle could have potentially had some, you could do some stuff with that. Um, yeah, but I'm too attached to it being the final smash. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it could, it, could, it could be both, but I, I think 64 doesn't really need it. People, 64 has enough stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to represent DKC 2 and 3 in, in new ways. Uh, the JT aren't. Review, a.k.a. John Tessier, in the live stream chat says, Boxing ring from DK64, I guess that's already in the game with the Lil Mac stage, though. It's a shame that we can't have echoes, e- echo stages, right? Where you could just do a slight reskin and take a very similar concept and, and have it apply to a different franchise. So you could have the boxing ring from Dunk Kong 64, or or whatever or or the wind waker stage and make it a gangplank galleon stage yeah, well there you... kind of are echo stages because that boxing ring you can either play on the uh punch out themed boxing ring or you can unskin it and make it just a smash brothers themed boxing ring um yeah you could do that so why, why didn't they do more of that that's for all of the boxing rings out there in video <laughs> Every game Every boxing ring that ever applied to any of these franchises wouldn't be uh, that big of a list. No, I can really only think of Mario or uh, Donkey Kong 64. What what else is there? Um, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics? That, <laughs> that That's all I got. Uh, oh, Kirby does have one. Given of course, just said that in the chat. That's correct. Of course, Kirby. Kirby. Kirby has Kirby steals from everybody. Kirby. Kirby is the great uh, environment thief of our day. Kirby is the great environment thief of our day. Write it down. Put it on a t-shirt. Shout out to Daniel, uh, question asker's cousin. Uh, oh because, yes, because they said so. Hey, and I bet yeah. they're a cool guy. Thank you, thank you for being a fan of the show. I uh, means the world to me. It really does. Um, and thank you for the call. Uh, let's let's go ahead and hear what our second call has to say, and then we're gonna get a little bit agitated. I think at each other, perhaps. Oh, okay. Because uh, <laughs> we're gonna be talking about uh, the next smash and, okay. and why I just can't fathom. The next smash. Hey, DK Vine. It's Boom Shackle. And I'm, yeah, really excited about this episode of uh, the podcast. You know, I've been following Smash for a good long while. It's really, really bittersweet to see it end. But, you know, I think it really went out with a bane. Lots of highs, lots of lows. But... Oh, okay, I tell lie now. I don't really think there were any lows now. I think we were all eating good in the Smash Bros. Donkey Kong universe. But I was actually wanting to ask, um, 
Yeah, because throughout the franchise, um, I would say DK has kind of got pretty shafted in the level department. Nothing but jungles, you know? So I was actually wanting to ask, um, what, if you could add a level or two, what would you, what would you add? I was thinking to myself, what would I do? And I would actually, uh, plop in a little from Tropical Freeze. Was it a juicy, was it Juicy Jungle? With the frozen fruit factory? I mean, I don't think there are a lot of, uh, are there even any industrial levels in Smash? Uh, maybe if you count the original Donkey Kong level, 75M, I don't know. Yeah, but I would add that, and, uh, you know, just why not toss in, uh, Timbers Island? You know, just make a whiz pig boss, just add every single track from Diddy Kong Racing. I mean, yeah, uh, that's all I got. Um, yeah, looking forward to listening to the podcast. You guys have a good one. Bye. Thank you for the call. It was Boom Shackle and not Boom Shaka. Um, but th- yeah. thank you. Thank you for the call. Another, another stage call. Uh, because, Interesting, I feel, yeah. I feel, well, I feel like it makes sense because I think this is a point that I think Cameron and Jeff have both independently brought up to me at various points of, of our own on DK Vine and off DK Vine chats is that one area where we were underserved uh, traditionally, but even in Smash Ultimate are stages. And yeah, like, like a uh, boom shackle says here, it's, it's all jungles for Donkey Kong, um, which I like the stages they chose to be in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I, I think like, I, I would have loved to have seen the return stage from Wii U come back because I didn't get to spend a lot of time with that. And I would have loved to have like brought K rule into Donkey Kong Country Returns or brought Banjo Kazooie into Donkey Kong Country Returns with the screaming pillars and everything. But I mean, uh, what, what we now know is Congo Falls, I think is my all time favorite Donkey Kong stage and Jungle Japes is, is right up there too. And you got Cranky in there too and his outhouse. And I love that there's a poop joke in a Donkey Kong stage. It's like rare is always with the franchise. But um speak to your question, what would I want to see uh, as far as like a new stage goes? Maybe not a jungle. It's a, it's a good question. I, I think like it was a huge missed opportunity not to have a tropical freeze theme stage, whether that's Lost Mangroves, because that is like the, um, the iconic uh, like box art imagery of the game, or maybe... Uh, Bright Savannah, um, from, uh, the, the third world with, uh, Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, David Wise inspired music. And, uh, you could have those. You said Juicy Jungle, another great choice. A uh, frozen Donkey Kong Island would probably be, um, like a, a weird choice because it's just like a moment in time. And I know there are smash stages that are just moments in time, but I would, I would want something a little bit more universal than that. Um, I, I, I keep going back to it. And this, this will be my last contribution. I keep going back to it because it's just so easy, but a bramble stage, a Donkey country Two bramble stage, because I don't think there's any level type that's, as meaningful for the fan base aside from maybe like the underwater levels 
from from the various like country or country three like the coral lakes or oceans but uh brambles i i think they have the most meaningful impact and you know there's a lot you could do with a a, a level where a smash level where the sides hurt you uh, we've we've seen that mechanic implemented in in various uh, other stages but you could do a lot with it especially if you like introduced wind if it was like animal antics i don't know it's my contribution mitchell what about you yeah i, I think a bramble stage would be great uh like when i think of donkey kong country aesthetics first thing that comes to mind is jungle so i you know it's good that they have that uh, but second thing that comes to mind is mine carts and mines um based on how the great cave offensive works in smash it would probably be bad <laughs> um which is a bummer but i do i, I do think mines are, are a very yeah um stylistically iconic part of donkey kong country that uh, would be great to somehow capture in a way that doesn't that isn't terrible yeah, um, maybe maybe don't have um like make sure you're not fighting on the mine or you, I mean it could even be just like uh you're fighting on two mines sort of like the F0 stage where you're fighting on the cars, I don't know, but uh there there are ways you could probably do it where it wouldn't be a slog to play or a stage that everybody avoids or a stage you always play in omega mode, but yeah, maybe it's like a like a stage that sort of wobbles back and forth that's on and the, the whole stage is on the mind track so it doesn't really feel like your it doesn't feel like a roller coaster because the, it's just the background that, I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean ultimately of course Donkey Kong's going to get jungles. Um and it's a shame like it's it's like Mario Kart, the one time they broke away from the jungles was when they forgot to give Donkey Kong a, a, a track. And so they just assigned him this random ski resort, um, which we can massage, you know, in, into our fan and why that's applicable. But still, it's not really a Donkey Kong stage, is it? Um, and, but, it, you know, it's always been the problem with Donkey Kong in any of these games is you want, boom, what's the most instantly iconic uh, representation for donkey kong well it's either if you're going back to the arcade days the girders or if you're going for anything 1994 onward jungles so yeah i mean it, it is what Kart it is tracks named after mario characters are always so weird to me like what about mount wario is wario it, <laughs> yeah. like they're just they're just sort of named that <laughs> yeah, I mean, more or less. It, I, it didn't always be the case. I I think it's certainly like a L- Luigi Raceway or Mario Circuit. You're like, okay, it, you just named a racetrack after these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like even Yoshi Valley, I guess, was just like... Like Mario Kart 8 retroactively made that work and made it a wild Yoshi preserve uh but that's that's cool though that actually is great yeah but but in on the n64 you're like this has nothing to do with yoshi you just put a giant egg in this countryside valley this isn't yoshi (laughs) this is this it's fine it's fine though we we're not as uh nitpicky at a certain age when we like 
when we're 14 and we see my voice cracked like a 14 year old there uh when we're 14 and we no one listens to us yeah uh, 14 and, you, and you, you're just like shaking your fist at at the banjo kazooies of the world you, you don't question uh, your favorite franchise, right? Or, or the games you like because they are perfect in every way. It's only until you get older that you start to rebel and you're like, that's not the way they did it back a few years ago when things were perfect. True. So, so long story short, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Thank you for the call. <laughs> um, uh, Heil, I, I never, I never got your opinion on it. Um, how do you feel about Sora being the last character? I'm fine with it. It makes sense. If Sora won the the fighter pass, not the fighter pass, the, the smash ballot, too many things in my brain. If if Sora actually won that, then uh, good timed choice. End it on the highest note you possibly can. And please as many people as possible. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's cool for Disney diehards. It's cool for Final Fantasy fans to have, uh, sort, sort of like, almost like their Banjo Kazooie in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have any issues with it. I have no personal connection with Sora or Kingdom Hearts, so it doesn't mean much for me. But I was true to my word when I said I just wanted people to be happy after I got mine. By golly. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, also not like the biggest Kingdom Hearts fan. I, I've played a, a number of, I guess that number is three. I can just say three uh, Kingdom Hearts games. But... Uh, last year in, in 2020, I finally played Final Fantasy VII for the first time. Yeah, and that game is appropriately rated. That game is amazing. That game's really, really good. And I got mad at myself for um neglecting it so long. Out of I think some weirdly preserved, even though I don't feel this way anymore, console rivalry from the 90s. Yeah. Uh about final fantasy seven it's like eh, zelda is better like it's not the same um but i finally played that and that game is great and then i also at the same time was playing through some kingdom hearts games which um are are very closely related to final fantasy seven because cloud and sephiroth are in them and uh kingdom hearts is cool that's the thing kingdom hearts is kingdom hearts is also a little bit trashy it's a little bit <laughs> what it's it's a little bit junk food. It's a little bit like like fan service the game and I think that's awesome and great. It's a little trashy though. And I think that's a a, a great thing for a video game to be. So like I didn't have any personal connection to Sora um that was bringing me to to want Sora for Smash. But because Sora won the ballot, ending on it feels really good. And mm. especially just because of the, the nature of the story of Kingdom Hearts and what Sora is um, as this, this kid who has fun with these like comfortably nostalgic 
fun Disney worlds, going from place to place and meeting character to character to character feels like such an encapsulation of Smash almost accidentally mm-hmm. that that trailer with, with with Sora and Mario shaking hands, even though, like I said, I, I don't have this. Kingdom Hearts is not nostalgic to me. It's like a few years ago to me. Um, and, and it's not like my favorite thing in the world. I think it's just like, it's pretty good. Um, that handshake still affected me on some level. I thought it was a, a, a really good reveal. And I, I think that as the last character, it uh, very solid. I saw them shaking hands and I was just hoping they were both vaxxed. Yeah. I mean, they both they both have giant cartoon gloves. So I hope that um, that at least puts them a little bit closer to six feet apart. <laughs> I'm, I'm at that point, though, where like, oh, why are you touching each other? Oh, there's a pandemic. <laughs> Gross. So it did really have that same effect on me. No, but you were talking about how is Kingdom Hearts is just fan service, trashy fan service. I mean, so is Smash. I mean, to a certain extent, so is Smash. And that's why it kind of works thematically if you're going to end on any character. It's fan service in a a good, different way than bad fan service. Both Kingdom Hearts and Smash. It's meaningful. It knows what it's doing. It has design chops. So it's not just like... Smash is not just a a collection of characters. It's a really solid, maybe the best in the genre fighting game, if if I had to lay down an opinion. And and Kingdom Hearts is similarly very adept at what it does. But a large part of the core appeal of that series is is appealing to uh, nostalgia of people who like Disney stuff and also nostalgia of people who liked the PlayStation one era final fantasy games and, and sort of marrying them together. That's such a weird cross section, right? I, like, I, I don't know. Like I understood why see if these crossed over with Disney's pirate, uh, franchises, specifically pirates of the Caribbean. That makes sense to me. Um, I, I still don't really understand kingdom hearts as a concept. (laughs) Understanding Kingdom Hearts is beyond uh, my pay grade. Okay, all right. Playing Kingdom Hearts is is easy enough to do. I mean, I, understanding it's an, it's, Kingdom Hearts requires a couple PhDs. It's an institution, right? It's been around twenty years, but yeah, I I I don't get the genesis of it. Like, hey, what would be what would be a fun thing to do? I know crossing over Disney with this era of final fantasy well the the story goes i don't know if you're you're savvy to the creation of kingdom hearts how it got going no no the story goes that uh nomura the character designer on final fantasy 7 and then later like the the directors of some of the later final fantasies um had a chance meeting with an executive from disney japan like actually in an elevator um, they weren't supposed to meet. And the guy from Disney Japan was a really big Final Fantasy VII fan, and Nomura has a huge respect for Disney, so they were talking about it. And the Disney guy says, you know it'd be cool? What if there was a Final Fantasy game, but, like, for Disney characters? 
and Nomura said, give me your phone number. Let's get cracking. And they they started <laughs> designing what it would be Final Fantasy, the Disney game. Uh, and at first, there wasn't going to be a... Uh, like 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 an original character section of the Kingdom Hearts story. Kingdom Hearts, the story of Kingdom Hearts is now where they are now in the franchise. Mostly original characters to Kingdom Hearts doing things that are original concepts to Kingdom Hearts. Um, but the original pa- plan was that the main character was going to be Mickey, Donald, mm. and Goofy. Uh, and then they decided this should be a little bit more of its own thing. Um, and, and they made the Mickey character into Sora, which is why Sora has Mickey's clothes. That's why he's got those giant yellow right. shoes. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, it, it started the way if they did it with Mickey as the main character, that if they kept that, that would be kind of the same as Super Mario RPG where Square and or Square, same company, uh, took another franchise and added a little bit of their own original character spice in there with things like Malo and Gino and uh made it a Mario RPG. Speaking of that Super Mario RPG, that brings me to what I think they should do next with Smash Brothers. Uh, Alright. Well what what is that, Mitchell? Give give me the elevator pitch because apparently everything happens with people meeting in elevators. I, I, I hear that story about this chance meeting. I picture it happening in an elevator, right? And I just yeah. think, I I should hang out in more elevators. Like, <laughs> Man, I wish I had an elevator. No, like seriously, uh, at E3, what am I doing on the show floor? I should be hanging out in the elevators. <laughs> the building only has two floors. It's gonna, There's still it, elevators. There's going to be a lot of starts and stops. You're right, though. It does. Um it's a lot cooler than hanging out on the stairs. Uh, but here, here's here's my idea for the future of Smash. All right. So you take... It's a two-pronged idea. It's a two-pronger, they call it in the business. The first prong is you take Smash Ultimate and you wait five years. And then you make a Smash Ultimate director's cut, the Sakurai cut... And it's got like maybe 10 more characters in it. In fact, it has exactly 11 more characters in it, but it's still Smash Ultimate. It has exactly 11 because that takes the character count up to 100. Oh. And I think that's a fun thing. That's, that's, I mean, that's the most fun number. Pound yeah. for pound. Like, it's got you, two it, circles in it. it. You could either be comedic and go for 69, or mm-hmm. you, you could just go for being impressive and go for 100. 69 would be funny, but if any of the characters I like get cut to bring us down to 69, I'll laugh less. No, that's a bad um, 69 right there. That's not <laughs> that's nice. That's a poorly constructed 69. Um, so, so that's the first prong. And that's basically just like if the next Nintendo console's 4K or something, it's like bringing the game up to 4K. But it's the same game. It's not a new Smash like new Smash normally happens. That, that okay. okay. Is this a good point to interject? Sure, go ahead. That is the only way I think I would accept the next iteration of Smash. Because here's my problem, Mitchell. Smash Ultimate is perfect for me. It 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 hit every note. I don't want to regress. We had this chat 
way yeah. back in E3 past. I, I think maybe E3 2019, maybe it even came up at E3 2018, where we were like, well, the next Smash, it's not going to have as many characters, right? Uh, it, it's it's they're they're not going to get everybody back for this. All the deals, all the contracts. This is, feels like a one time only thing. And, and anywhere we go after this is going to feel like a step back. I don't know if I agree with past Hyle here because I feel like Smash is such an institution and Smash Ultimate has made it more of an institution that I think anybody who played ball with Ultimate will just gladly sign on again for the, if, if there is a director's cut, a Sakurai cut, uh, because I think, and I don't know how the contracts work, but I think that it means more to have your property in Smash than not having it in Smash. So why wouldn't you? I agree with that. I, I agree with that. And it, like leading up to the reveal of Smash Ultimate, I was getting ready for cuts, but I was thinking like, I, I think they're going to have most of the characters that don't have a reason to be cut. Like, I could see Snake still not coming back. I could see Cloud not coming back this time because Cloud, because that's hard to get. And I could see some of, like, if, if there's technical reasons for things like Ice Climbers or whatever, I get it. Um, but everything that sort of could come back and isn't a clone of something else that's already representing it pretty well, like Toon Link versus Young Link or something. that'll that'll all be there and then it was actually everything that was it's just amazing just really really cool you don't see that kind of stuff ever in video games no um just completely does the thing it's supposed to do it's it's great um are you ready for prong number two of the future of smash brothers this is what makes me nervous yeah imagine this e3 trailer you don't know what's coming and then you you see um, you're you're in a crypt. Imagine a crypt, Kyle. Some Did you sort call of me tomb. Kyle. No, I said crypt. Imagine that you're in a crypt. I maybe called you Kyle a little bit, but okay. I think that's okay. why I said okay. Kyle because I said crypt <laughs> earlier in the sentence. My bad. I know your name's Kyle. <laughs> I w- I would have also allowed. Imagine you're in a hipped Kyle. <laughs> imagine crypt. you're in a hipped crypt. Hurt. So you're in this crypt, right? <laughs> in the trailer. And then like a, a stone door moves out of like a, a stone door enclosure thing pushes to the side. And who's pushing it? You don't see it first. But then he steps out of the shadows. It's Link. And you're thinking, wow, this is a Zelda game. Uh, it, but it's it's all CG cutscene. We don't we don't know what the gameplay is yet. And then um Link is is slowly like walking through the room, maybe looking out for booby traps. And there, on the other side of this room, there's this book on a pedestal, and he's going over to it, and he's like going really slowly. And you, the audience, are thinking, "Wow, this CG animated Link is taking thirty seconds to move across this very small room. <laughs> this is boring." And then Donkey Kong comes through the door and has no patience for it and just like pushes Link to the side and goes and grabs the book. Uh-huh. And then coming in after Donkey Kong is uh, is Samus. And this is the main party, these three people, for the game whose title is revealed on the cover of this book, Super Smash RPG. Uh-oh. It's in the style 
of Kingdom Hearts in terms of gameplay and is developed by Square Enix. We see the characters go around. This is how you revitalize Super Smash Brothers when you can't really go harder further in the same genre. You get a new genre. And uh, throughout the game, throughout Super Smash Brothers RPG, we have little subspace emissary-esque moments between different characters. The playable party members, like the, the ones that you can apply to your party... I mean, it's definitely going to be way fewer than the the fighting game because you're starting from ground zero again. But uh, it, it it'll work sort of like Super Mario RPG or Mario plus Rabbids, where you can build your party out of everyone who's there. Now, what would and, it be called uh, Super Smash RPG? Because the smashing isn't so much happening. Wouldn't it be Super? role-playing brothers that that's a terrible name no forget no, i said that i think i think you gotta have smash <laughs> i think what you maybe can drop the super maybe this is yeah. smash brothers rpg or okay. super smash rpg one of the two uh something like that so i i thought we were going to fight about this because i thought you were going to present this this opinion that you've got to go back to the original eight or 12 characters that, what? that why I because this is what we were talking about at E3 2019 uh, on the on the the hot streets of Los Angeles uh, underneath the freeway when we were walking and and Jeff was saying I was moving like some sort of sprightly man and uh, you you were talking about Smash and you said I think Smash for whatever the next Nintendo console is will go back to basics it it will go back to to 8 to 12 original characters it's going to be extremely scaled back and it's just going to do something new with the mechanics and i was like i'm going to hate that mitchell i'm going to hate that so much but then you come to me with this new idea of of just continuing ultimate but then having smash go in a completely different direction and i love it i'm i'm agreeing with you i i i find that your second prong is not wrong and Ooh, thank you for the the prong bong as a um, fan of donkey kong i say bring it on bring it on <laughs> <laughs> uh I, man that doesn't sound like me that that thing that you said i mean i i i think that making something like i might have been thinking about a 3d fighter which, which I think would be an interesting way so, to do uh, so something I different that's with what, Smash. Okay. I thought that's what you were going to pit, pitch me with this crypt idea. I thought because Link seemed to be moving in, in uh, third dimension here. And I thought it was going to be like a 3D Smash. And I, mm. I would get on board with that too. So long as Ultimate also came along for the ride, right? And they yeah, build on I, that a little I think whatever bit. you do in the future, you need to bring what Ultimate brought. Um, that said, if you do... Well, some something like in in Super Smash Brothers or Super Smash RPG, the the game I'm pitching, you still would only have like eight to twelve characters sure. that are available in the party, because that's a lot for an RPG. It's just not a lot for um, Smash. But it it wouldn't. It, I would never suggest that it should be the twelve characters from uh, Smash sixty four. That's a bad lineup. <laughs> I think that's not that it made sense for 1999 in a way, 
but I way. don't think you should do it. But but again. even then, even then, I can nitpick it from the perspective of a 1999 child. Like I, I would say, uh, does Jigglypuff really need to be there? Could Diddy be there? Uh, how relevant was Captain Falcon at this point? Oh, F-Zero fans are mad at me. I'm sorry. Captain Falcon deserves to be in Smash, but I'm just saying, like, when if you're going to start nitpicking the lineup, you're going to start nitpicking it, and that's what I was doing. Yeah, and Yoshi's basically a Mario character, even though it has a different franchise icon, which means that Smash 64 has three Mario characters, which are Mario, Luigi, and Yoshi. And if you had three Mario characters, I don't think those are the ones it should be. I think it should be Mario, Peach, and Bowser. Yeah. Um, and so, also, like, Fire Emblem's not represented, Splatoon's not represented, Animal Crossing's not represented, and Animal Crossing is now one of Nintendo's, like, largest f- flagpole things, up with Mario and Pokemon and whatever. So, um, yeah, I like how, I mean, it's, I like it's how it's instead of saying flagship, now. you were thinking of Mario, you're about to say Mario, and your brain went the flagpole. Ooh. Did I say flagpole? You said flagpole because you you were saying Mario and your your like your words, your mouth could not say flagship because in that close to Mario. You're right. It's interesting. It's interesting the way the brain works, isn't it? Wow. Mario <laughs> is flagpoles, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I, I, I even draft... I've thought about this Smash RPG thing a lot. I drafted out like a, a, a gameplay outline and who would be uh, characters. I think Tom Nook's in the party, but not Villager or Isabel. So, so some of the existing franchises are even getting new characters in this thing. Um, and th- that would be exciting though too, because even though your party would be limited to you know, maybe 12 people, uh, you would still have plenty of opportunity for fan service along the way through the adventure, through the journey, meeting characters and uh, situations and environments. Yeah. And I think it's key that, yes, Mario is a party member that you can recruit to your party at some point in the game. But um, Link... Donkey Kong and Samus sort of form this, like the main party, the starting party. They're the ones on the box art. They're the ones that are going to be uh, sort of thought of as the main characters in this game. Sort of like how Kingdom Hearts doesn't use Mickey right off the bat. You don't think Kirby um, would be part of the the main crowd? I think Kirby and Peach are like the the next two characters to to get in there. Uh, okay. that you would find along the way but the m- maybe even peach instead of samus uh i don't know but it, that way you'd have like some mario stuff at the beginning mm-hmm. but i i think donkey kong as as a tanky kind of character uh link as this technical proficient ter- yeah you know that's it's just what the stuff is don't worry about it anyway i think it's a i think that's what they should do I don't need to detail the entire outline for Super Smash RPG on this podcast, but I think that's that's the move. Gibbon in the live stream chat suggested Super Smash Adventure as the name. Yeah. I don't I'm in a weird place with the word adventure right now, mostly because <laughs> of this Telltale podcast. Uh-huh. I don't my concept of what an adventure game is is completely shot. 
Well, speaking of the Telltale podcast, you've got to get going because you're going to be doing that with Dustin here. So are, are, are there any parting words you would like to leave the conversation audience before you bid us, for now, adieu? Smash is good. Um, the end of DLC might feel like the end of Smash Ultimate. But Melee and Brawl were in the conversation for so long without any kind of addition to that game after launch. And I I really want Ultimate to be as well because this game is just a good game and it's really special. It, it does things that should be completely impossible uh, and it does it with a gentle hand that knows the cards it's dealing are fan service, but you still need to play a card game when you're dealing cards. Uh, <laughs> Smash is great. Seeing K. Rule was amazing. Seeing Ridley was amazing. Um, the Castlevania stuff in Smash is great. The Minecraft stuff in Smash is fantastic rectifying the shitty representation of Final Fantasy VII in all ways other than the character of Cloud with the stuff that they added with Sephiroth was awesome. Um, The thematic reason for having Sora be the last character in the game is great. Um, They, after some close calls with Incineroar being the final character revealed for the base game and then Byleth being the final character revealed for the uh, fighters pass volume one i was nervous that the final character fi- for fighter pass volume two was similarly going to be bad um or at least substandard i don't hate incineroar it's just not exciting and it wasn't um even for someone who's not necessarily like a diehard kingdom hearts fan i i think it was a wonderful reveal and of course uh this is all without the banjo kazooie stuff it that made me really really happy um you don't see a game like this come around more than like once every 20 years or so um at least not doing this exact kind of thing so savor it play super smash brothers ultimate yeah Uh, be part of it when you can yeah it it i think i think for me ultimate really finally met the lofty dreams and expectations i had playing melee all those many nights so many years ago at this point and i would think about where the franchise grow and build from there and and as much as i am a brawlpologist brawl wasn't what i had anticipated and dreamt of and super smash brothers 4 nintendo 3ds and wii u definitely weren't so it feels like the end of a journey. It feels like, oh my God. I mean, this is the ultimate Smash Brothers. It's in the name. They knew what they were doing. And I feel like it, I, I can't speak for the tournament crowd, but as far as my perspective of what Smash is, the way I'm a fan of it, I could not be happier with this. I, I could only be marginally happier with this. And I, I like that's the kind of contentment I yearn for in every other aspect of my life. That's the way I want to feel on my deathbed, Mitchell. And if I never Whoa. obtain it, if I if I never get there, at least this small sliver, this small, rather insignificant, meaningless aspect of my life, I will have achieved complete enlightenment and contentment, and I'm ready to die. 
It's a pretty good game. It's a pretty good game. This has been a File 2 production. Terrico.